Hey there, I'm Mason Gardner. Welcome to the What Connects Us podcast, where we explore human connection with people in Saskatchewan. Today, we're joined by Kirk Morrison, one of the founders of Krugo, to chat about pivoting and the sacrifice that comes with it. Let's go. All right, fall is here in Saskatchewan, and it's always a bittersweet time for me, and I'm sure a lot of you. And as much as I love the colors, the leaves, the fall fashion, and yes, even the occasional pumpkin spice latte, it signals the end of the summer and the incoming winter, which we know in Saskatchewan usually rolls in a lot sooner than later in this province. As the leaves change, so do we, and it feels uncomfortable. Our guest for this podcast is no stranger to change. In fact, he embraces it and does it with a smile on his face and usually a beer in his hand. Kirk Morrison is one of the co-founders of Krugo, a Saskatchewan startup that is part of Cultivator, which is Canada's first credit union-led business incubator. And sorry for the shameless plug here, but it's powered by Conexus. Kirk had a steady, awesome job with a stable income in Regina, but made the jump to launch his own startup with some casual acquaintances and traded in the comfy, steady income for the variable and hustle-based lifestyle that comes with being a co-founder at a tech startup. Since then, Kirk has had to pivot even more as COVID-19 has completely ravaged his industry and we'll learn about how Kirk and his team didn't freeze during the pandemic. They moved fast to create an event that supported the community and provide a spark of normalcy during an uncertain time for a lot of us. What connects us to Kirk? Let's find out. Kirk Morrison. Hey. Welcome to the podcast, man. Happy to be here. How does it feel to be our second guest? You're not the first, but you're our second guest. I'll take second. That's not bad. Yeah, really excited to be here. Glad you uh, reached out and looking forward to the conversation. Yeah, we got got the kinks out on the first one <laughs> and we're ready to go. So maybe second is the best place to it be. It is. It is. I'm excited for this one. Uh, Kirk and I went to university together. Fun fact, we used to be a bit kind of doppelgangers. <laughs> yeah. Not so much anymore, I don't think, but some university professors would get that's, us yeah, confused. That's, yeah. Mason. Nope. <laughs> yeah. I'd get a lot of, Hey, Hey, uh, I have this, uh, this resource for you to take a look at. I'm like, uh, uh, okay. <laughs> and then he would go into it a little bit more. I'm like, that's not me. Yeah. That's, not, yeah. <laughs> that's Kirk. All right. Uh, before we get started, um, I'm really excited to hear about Krugo Fest as well as what it's like to make that pivot into, into Krugo and a startup. Um, but first I just want to know, I know you've been busy with COVID-19 and we'll get into that in a bit. But how have you been navigating this whole new normal? How have you been doing? I'm good. You know, it's, I think it's been interesting for everybody. I think back to the start of kind of COVID and the lockdown period, um, that was personally a big adjustment mm-hmm. for me. I'm, uh, you know, I think I do a pretty good job generally of supporting local bars and restaurants, yeah. maybe to a fault. <laughs> yeah, um, so COVID, yeah. So <laughs> COVID was a bit interesting because, uh, you know, to kind of brush up on some of my culinary skills yeah. and, and things like that and just, you know, kind of moving to home-based workouts and yeah. just trying to kind of stay sane through that whole period. I picked up some good habits actually. Yeah, that's awesome. Good for you. So tell me a little bit more about who Kirk Morrison is and what we need to know to better understand your story. Yeah. So I, uh, you know, from Saskatchewan, I grew up in, in Moose Jaw. Yeah. Uh, so that's where I spent the first 18 years of my life. Uh, I moved to Regina uh, to attend the U of R. So that's where we first got connected, mm-hmm. um, which was great and had a lot of great experience, um, you know, in the city during that time, kind of over my four years at university. I think uh, that's, you know, met a lot of, made a lot of friendships, met a lot of people in this, in the city, in the business community. And I think that's what ultimately, you know, has kept me here mm-hmm. uh, as some of those relationships. So kind of after university, 
um, had a you know a bunch of cool career opportunities. I worked for a, a small management consulting firm, and you know we we had all sorts of cool projects ranging from working with different government ministries to doing strategy for the riders. Where, oh, awesome. where, where you and I kind of yeah, cross paths again totally. with some of that, that work, which was which was really kind of special. And then doing some projects. Um, kind of remotely in Alberta as well. Uh, after that, I was able to um, move over to Economic Development Regina and Tourism Regina and had a really mm. cool gig there as well. Uh, I was basically like a professional cheerleader for Regina. So my job revolved awesome. around trying to attract uh, large kind of national and international events, conventions and trade shows to the city. So mm. I got to work on a bunch of cool projects and, and events that, that uh, you know, we were successful with and did come through the city. So mm-hmm. the Master Mar- MasterCard Memorial Cup and the CP Women's Open, the Briar, had an opportunity to work on awesome. all those bid projects. So yeah. those are some, you know, those ones are a bit more high profile, but also worked on a bunch of projects to bring kind of industry association conventions through the city. And yeah. that, you know, that has a pretty big impact on on Regina's economy um, because those events, they bring a lot of people, they're eating at restaurants, they're staying at hotels. Uh, so it was kind of cool to be in an environment where, you know, I had my finger on a lot of different, uh, my fingerprints, I guess, on a lot of different projects. And yep. I, again, I met a lot of cool people, got to kind of, you know, travel around and, and kind of promote what Rajan had to offer. So that was kind of a, a unique gig that I did for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. And then eventually that led into um, kind of going down the entrepreneurial route and starting Krugo and um, now kind of involved in a number of kind of tech businesses yep. and, and really kind of enjoying my time in that space. So where'd the pivot come from? I'm, I'm going to just jump right into it because you talk about your time with economic development, Regina. That sounds like a really cool gig. That sounds like a really sustainable, um, I'm guessing that's like a Monday to Friday sort of gig. Pretty, pretty, yeah. It had some, you know, lots, like lots of kind of evening events and stuff yeah. like that. But again, if you, you know, you put a meal in front of me, I don't consider that work. So <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, yeah, I kind of enjoyed some of that yeah. stuff. But yeah, no, it was, yeah, for sure. A little bit more stable, you know, it was in, in a kind of a, government uh, supported kind of a government pri- private sector partnership yep. organization so um where'd the itch come from like where'd the itch to go down the entrepreneurial path come from and i think i always had a bit of like an entrepreneurial bone in my body yeah. um, but kind of coming out of university i saw an opportunity to go into uh you know a job that i thought was pretty interesting and and then you know ended up working in kind of i guess the corporate world if you will for for five years and and don't regret it because i i had really good um, you know, really good bosses that I worked for. I learned a lot. I met a lot of good people, but I think I always had it in kind of the back of my head that entrepreneurship was something that I thought, you know, I would really enjoy. Um, I like kind of strategy. I'm kind of a bit of an action oriented person. I like kind of making quick decisions yeah. and, and just kind of going with my gut, yeah. which, uh, sometimes, you know, that doesn't work in a big organization. Yeah, got to break through that red tape. Yeah. 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 So I, you know, what ended up happening is we had the concept or I guess I had the idea for what Krugo was. Um, and actually, you know, it was, it was years in the making before, before I kind of took the full-time plunge oh, yeah. and kind of quit my, quit my job. So that was kind of, you know, it was, it was kind of going from an ideation standpoint yeah. for, for years. And, you know, it was doing the, you know, the weekend, the nights and weekends thing saying, okay, yeah. you know, what's the business plan here? You know, what are the, what does this company really look like? And, right. and then eventually kind of found some other people who, who, you know, Andrew, Andrew Creeden, who ended up being kind of the co-founder of the company and then yeah. built out a founding team of five. So that took some time. Um, so how did, take me to the conception of Krugo and tell, tell me a little bit what Krugo is. I'm familiar, but just in case anybody yeah, else. Yeah, for sure. So, so I guess maybe the, kind of the conception is, I think it was just born of a number of different experiences that kind of stitched together and, and formed a bit of a fabric of what my life was like. So um, when I was kind of early in my career, I was traveling a lot 
both for work, but also for, you know, for fun. That's what I would do, um, you know, when I wasn't working. So yeah. it always was revolving around travel. So my, a common experience for me is that I would be going to a city, um, and I would want to know what was going on. I would want to know, okay, if I'm going to Toronto for, for a conference, can I stay a day late and catch a Blue Jays game? Or yeah. is there a concert? I think that's a common experience that a lot of people Big have. Time. And it's just like, can I make the most of whatever I'm doing? And it's, and what does that, that involves a lot of like searching though. It's like, you know, how do you find all the things that are going on in a city that you're not from and that you're not really familiar with? One of the stories I like to tell is, is again, it was in Toronto. I was staying at the Intercontinental on Front Street right near the Rogers Center, uh, the stadium downtown. Checked into my hotel, went up the elevator, got to my room and opened up my windows. And I was looking straight down at the Rogers Center and I saw that like literally thousands of people lined up. And I oh, knew yeah. there wasn't a Blue Jays game. Yeah. I knew that because yeah. I did your research. Yeah. I did my research on that. But I said, what the heck is going on? And so did a quick Google search and Coldplay had a concert. They were on their world tour oh, that night. Yeah. So I got like a last minute Coldplay concert ticket, went to the show at the Rogers Center, yeah. 55,000 people, this amazing concert. And it's like. I would not have known about this if I didn't open up my hotel window yeah. and see all these people. So it's like, how crazy is that, that I was kind of coming, this is one of the biggest concerts to come through Toronto that year, and I would have had no idea. So that was, you know, one example of, mm-hmm. I thought there's got to be a better way uh, to help people when they're traveling or even sometimes in their own cities understand, you know, what's going on, what can I do? And and the, the, the genesis of the company was really around live events. Um, so what Krugo is, is essentially a platform that's all about the, what you're doing inside of travel. So not so much where are you staying or, you know, how are you getting there, mm-hmm. but what's the experiential side of the city? So that was kind of really the, the concept of the company. It's less about like an Expedia or Travelocity of how to get you there. And now it's like, you're there. What are you going to do while you're in the city? Absolutely. Yeah. It's like, you know, we, we, we say that we, we help people find more of whatever they love, wherever they go. So oh, that's, nice. you know, it's, it's because like, likely the, the types of things that you might like to do in your own city, those are probably some of the same types of things that you'd like to find when you're traveling, whether yeah. that you're really kind of, you're a foodie and you really kind of seek out unique restaurants or hole in the wall cocktail bars, or yeah. you're, you're really big into sports and you're, you know, whatever, you're, you're going to go to any sports game. You're going to go to a soccer game. You're going to go to a football game. You're going to go see what that local kind of sports community is like. Yep. So that was, you know, that's really kind of what we're all about. So it's kind of at the intersection of, of experiences, events, entertainment, entertainment and travel. Yeah. So, um, you know, unfortunately both of those <laughs> yeah, sectors are right <laughs> very hard hit with COVID. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that's, that's a reality that we've, we've kind of been dealing with. Yeah. So w- take me to that aha moment of where you, you talked about the intersection a little bit, where does that intersection hit where just a fun idea of, Oh, it'd be cool if this was a thing Com- and then where is the corner of, you know what, I could take that on. That's something I want to dive at. Yeah. I had no background in technology. I had no real business probably trying to do anything like this. Yeah. Or at least that's what I thought. And I, I look back and, you know, my the initial thing I did is because I, I, it's all I knew how to do. I put together like a PowerPoint presentation. Nice. And I moved some boxes around and I made it look like a cell phone. And I was like, this is what the app is. Yeah, and I, it's not easy. I look back and I kind of laugh when I look at, at, at some of those things. But I also... Uh, I look back at some of those things and we've done, we've implemented those ideas. Mind you, they look a lot better and yeah. they're a lot more functional than what I had originally kind of thought of. And we, we've got a, a great team of people who are way, you know, way more capable on some of those things than I am. Um, but I, I, I think I, it just started with an idea and that's what it, I, you know, I put these, bo- I, I played with these boxes on PowerPoint and yeah. I said, this is what I think an app would look like for something like this. This is the type of experience that I would like mm-hmm. if I was traveling. 
uh, and then I just, we start, I started working on that. I, I did what I knew best and that was, I was going to build a business plan. I was going to build a financial yeah. model. I was going to do some of these business type things. Uh, but I also knew that I'm not going to learn how to code and figure this out because yeah. that's not really where my passion or capabilities really lie. So yeah. that was kind of that process of trying to find people to come along on this journey, which took some time and, you know, went through a lot of people who maybe were excited at first, but then their priorities yeah. changed, their commitments changed, and it kind of became clear that they weren't going to be the ones that were on the bus. But uh, in the end, our kind of founding team of five, uh, we came together, and it was probably a solid six-month period of just absolute commitment, I'd mm -hmm. say, you know, and, and trust in each other. In this you know, group of really relatively strangers, we kind of were all loose acquaintances, yep. um, but we found each other through mutual connections. We had complementary skill sets and we just started getting to work. And I think that six month process of that kind of commitment to each other to put in some of that time, despite the fact that we all had jobs and lives yeah. and other things, um, got us to the point where we were in a position where we had started to sign some partnerships with some pretty large uh, companies, Vivid Seats, Booking.com, some right. companies that saw some the value, some big players that kind of recognized the value of what we were trying to do and signed partnerships with us, despite the fact that we were a small company yeah. from Regina that they had, you know, no idea where we were or who we were, but they, you know, obviously they saw value in the idea, which provided us some validation. Um, and then ultimately we're able to, you know, we, we made the commitment to each other. We quit our jobs, we made the plunge. And so we how does that in. work? What's that Avengers moment? Like that assemble moment, <laughs> like where you have all these loose acquaintances, you're around a table and you're kind of looking at each other being like, I, I know of you. I, I, I've heard you're competent. I think I like you. Uh, but what is that moment like, are we doing this to be able to put in your two weeks notice and say, I'm leaping at this, let's do this. What was that like for you? I mean, I guess, you know, I think like the, <laughs> I think back to kind of connecting with every, everyone on our team originally. And it's like, it's like a first date, like you're at a yeah. coffee shop and you're just like talking to each other yeah. and you're like, kind of nervous yeah, moment. Kind of nervous. <laughs> yeah. And you, you chit chat for five minutes before you get into the details. Yeah. And, um, you know, so that, so that quite honestly is how it started. And then, um, you know, I think it was just, it was an all out trust in each other. It's just that you got to have that, you know, I, th I think we arrived at a place where we knew that regardless of what everyone's role was, um, whether that was putting in insane hours on trying mm -hmm. to actually develop the app or for, for me, my, my role was more kind of, okay, can I keep this thing financially stable? Can we, you know, can we, can we create a revenue runway? Can we attract investment to kind of find people who believe in us and believe yeah. in this idea and put that all together. And, you know, there was certainly a risk, but we, we all knew, I think that if this all flops, we try to do this for four to six months and all these kind of best case scenarios that we've laid out don't come to fruition yep. and we can't do any of this. There's always going to be an opportunity to go get a job and to yeah. kind of do something else. And, um, you know, we were all relatively, I'd say relatively young in our twenties when we started doing this. Um, so we felt that there was no better time for us personally to be able to take a risk like that yeah. and say, you know, we're going to be able to pick ourselves up and brush ourselves off if this doesn't work. Um, but we might not have an opportunity to do something like this later in life. Totally. If we had different kind of commitments yeah. and obligations. So, um, yeah, that's, you know, I think we just, we all kind of took that collective risk. Yeah. It's like almost like if you are around a table and something special is forming, don't question it. Yeah. But at the end of the day, you do have, a budget that you are accountable to. So from a budget side, like did you, and a fiscal side, what did you wait? Like, did you have to figure out like, is this sustainable? You're going from a stable, 
routine income to one that is up in the air. Yeah. What was that like for you? You know, I think we, we, well, we all knew that we were taking a pay cut. Like that was obvious, yeah. you know, and everyone kind of was fundamentally aligned around that, which is, which is good. Um, but it was, it was very much like a, a bootstrapped kind of day by day mentality. And, and early on we had as a team of five, we, we had some, some opportunities to do a little bit of kind of contract work that was unrelated to, to Krugo. Okay. And we, we really kind of evaluated those closely, but it was like, if the net benefit of doing this other thing is going to contribute to furthering Krugo and, and, and giving us more financial stability, we're going to kind of make that decision. So like even an if that means almost, yeah. yeah. So, so if we, if it's, if we know that it's going to take one or two members of our team offline because they've got to commit some time to a contract project, but then mm -hmm. we know that the revenue from that is going to be greater than, you know, what they put into it, yeah. that's going to help us along. So we, we've always kind of taken a bit of a, I'd say an opportunistic approach to, to that type of stuff. And I think that, foundational attitude has been really important for us, especially, you know, to kind of fast forward three years. Yeah. And it, it's, it's kind of still that attitude and that model that is allowing us to kind of weather the storm mm -hmm. and to keep going, to keep investing in the product with Krugo and to get to a point, you know, where I, you know, hopefully on the other side of this pandemic and as we see the travel market recover, we are going to be one of the likely few travel startups that kind of was able to cross that chasm and come out the other side with a product intact, ready to kind of seize the opportunities. So. Yeah. So you said that you're going to evaluate after six months and see like if this is a, a success or a failure. What did you look at after those six months in order for you to say, let's forge ahead, let's keep this going? So we, we had the opportunity to connect with uh, several local investors kind of once we had made that decision that we were going to go all in. Um, and I think that, you know, that does a lot, um, I think, in terms of investors believing in your commitment as if yeah. you, you know, you're, you're kind of burning the ship and it's like you're, it's a burning platform. You don't you know, you don't have a stable job, you know you are all in on what you're doing. Yep. And I think uh, we, were, we were really fortunate to connect with some investors locally who were really supportive of what we were doing. Mm -hmm. uh, they believed in our team. I think, you know, they, they believed that there was there was something there with our kind of concept, whether we were there yet or not. Mm -hmm. um, and, and they kind of came in with an investment at a seed level, which allowed us to have a runway to say, okay, we, you know, this isn't, we're not trying to do this month to month anymore, but at that point in time, we had a bit of a runway and we had a, a bit of a budget to say, yeah. you know, we've got a bit of a longer, longer track here mm -hmm. to do something. I think what we found out early on was the, you know, sp certainly building in the consumer space, which was our kind of whole focus uh, at the outset of the company was to build the consumer app and kind of prove the model. We learned very quickly that the apps that, the quality of apps that people expect yeah. are Uber and Facebook <laughs> yeah. and Airbnb. And it's these large, massive companies and they've created these mobile app experiences that they put millions of dollars into huge teams, you know, really modern design, really user friendly. And unfortunately, you know, the, the tides have shifted a lot from 2012, 2013, where people would download any app and they'd keep 50 apps on their phone and they didn't really care kind of what the interface was like. That's no. really shifted. People's kind of behaviors uh, on mobile have really changed and, and people don't like having lots of apps. Yeah, I think of like back then apps like Foursquare yeah. that had a very simple purchase or a purpose. You pop on, check in. I'm done. Yeah. Now it's like you need to be this suite of all-inclusive experiences yeah, for that sure. you can't cheap out on when you're de developing this. Otherwise, people are like, this is cheap. 
I'm going to go somewhere else. For sure. And I think it's, it's a big thing with trust too, is that if the app looks cheap, you know, there's not going to be a lot of trust that there's anything real going on behind the scenes here. And this is a place where I should actually transact on, on baseball tickets or on, you know, booking a tour or finding, you know, a recommendation on a restaurant and that type of stuff. So, Mm -hmm. so we learned that, you know, early on. So tell me what you were feeling from the jump to that six month process. Like that is a jostle of your, your lifestyle going from that stable, steady income to that versatile variable income. That's a lot to shift your lifestyle to that startup lifestyle. What were you feeling during this, this six month process? You know, it's definitely nerve wracking, but you know, I think we were so busy. We were just so all into the company and what we needed to do for that, that wasn't really kind of worrying about my, my own kind of personal finance situation. I knew that my mortgage payment was getting paid. There wasn't much left over after that, yeah. but I knew in those early days that that was all I really needed. Just a um, lot of craft dinner. A lot of, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and then, you know, as time went on, we were able to get a little bit more stable and, and, and that, you know, we, were, we had a longer trajectory or longer term view on what our, you know, our budgets were going to look like and, yeah. and how that was going to flow. So, um, yeah, you know, it, it wasn't, it wasn't as scary. I don't think, yeah. uh, after, you know, I think it was a scary proposition, before we did it, but yeah. I think once we're, once we're in it, it's like it's done. We're like doing you're hustling. it. You're, yeah, and, and, and you know that it, if, if it you know, if it doesn't go well, yeah, we're just gonna turn around and figure something it's else. It's interesting. Out. We've done we've done some re- research, and seventy percent of Saskatchewan people will say that they've lost sleep due to worries and concerns about money. Yeah, and that it's affected their relationships <laughs> and and all things like that. So I I would sweat if yeah. I was trading in the biweekly paycheck. Um, for what's next, what's coming in next week. Did you budget? Like, how did you, how did you get to this point where you felt secure that I'm, I have the ability to hustle and know that I'm comfortable from a financial standpoint? I mean, I had a big fat line of credit sitting there that had nothing on it. So that was my safety. It was like, you know, that's not a good, that's not a good financial strategy that I'm advising is to fall back on a line of credit. But I knew that, you know, if there was ever a situation where I had an emergency expense or or something that didn't kind of fit in my shoestring budget that I knew I was going to be operating on um, for an indefinite amount of time. Uh, that, that, that line of credit was going to be there. I was going to be able to kind of absorb that. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, and, you know, I think having some of those financial products and the fact that I kind of, I was kind of clear, clear, free and clear of debt. Mm-hmm. Um, so I didn't have, you know, existing debt hanging over my head to say, okay, not only am I, you know, taking this risk on the income side, but I've already got mm-hmm. kind of got debt and liabilities that are kind of you know keeping me up at night. So I, I was fortunate that in, in my kind of five years of my career previous, I was able to, to be, to be debt free. Yeah. Um, aside from, you know, a small car payment that I had had left, but right. anyway, you know, it wasn't really dealing with any large debt. So I think from a budgetary perspective, it was pretty clear. It's like, I needed to pay, pay my mortgage and I needed to, you know, eat dinner. Yeah. And that was, uh, that was kind of All right. Pause there. Kirk alluded to it a bit, but budgeting is so important, but can be tricky to get started. So I asked one of Conexus's designers that focuses on financial health. Her name is Jess Ripplinger, and she's written Conexus Money Talk blogs on budgeting before. To get you started, here's how she recommends grouping your budget categories. A budget doesn't mean cutting out things that you enjoy. If you like that latte, get that fancy latte. The secret is finding out how those things that you love can work within your budget. 
I find the simple and easiest way to do this is by using the general 50-20-30 rule, which means you divide your income into these three categories. 50% goes towards your basic needs like housing, groceries, utilities, transportation, and at least the minimum payments on your debts. 20% goes towards your savings for the future, building an emergency fund, and paying down debt faster. 30% goes towards your wants, the fun stuff like entertainment, shopping, and hobbies. For me, I love to travel, so part of my 30% gets set aside each month that will allow me to save up and travel. And that's how I budget using the 50-20-30 rule. Because the most important rule when it comes to building a budget is to do what works best for you, your lifestyle, and your financial well-being. Thanks, Jess, for breaking down the easy 50-20-30 rule to help you map out your budget. If you want to learn more quick and relatable tips on financial literacy, check out our Connexus Money Talk blogs at connexusmoneytalk.ca. Now let's get back to our chat with Kirk. So what factors did you consider when you were making that choice of am I pivoting to Kruger or not? I'm trying to think of like that person at home who is kind of like sitting on this idea of like, I've got an idea to do something awesome. It's that situation of, am I going to look back 30 years from now and regret that I tried to do this Mm -hmm. or will I regret that I didn't try to do it. And I, you know, I was pretty sure that, you know, I, th- I, I thought there, there was something there. I think we had a really good team, a really special group of people that came together. And, and I think as we were staring down the notion of, do we, you know, we knew this was never going to work as a part-time gig that we were all trying to do. That was so very clear yeah. that the amount of just the, the amount and velocity of work that needed to get done was, you know, this was an all out full-time effort for, for many people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we, you know, I certainly had the opinion that if I don't try this, it's going to be something that I regret for the rest of my life yeah. because I just think it was, there was just so many things that I, it felt right. And it felt like something that was worth taking a stab at. And we don't, you know, I think it's changing that maybe the, the, the tides are shifting a little bit. I think there's a, there's a huge kind of history of entrepreneurship mm-hmm. um, in Saskatchewan for sure. I think there's been so many kind of innovative things done but at the same time there's a bit of a culture of you know stability and you know don't risk it there's lots of you know stable jobs here which is which is one of the benefits of this place yeah uh, you know of of Regina and Saskatchewan but didn't have a lot of kind of inspiration to for this type of thing early in my career you know there wasn't a lot of examples that I was looking around and seeing people doing things like this. I think Mm -hmm. it's changing now. And certainly Conexus has been, uh, you know, a big part of that with Cultivator and some of the other initiatives going on as well as, you know, lots of other organizations in the, in the city and the province doing lots of things. So I think the profile of those things are are starting to get blown up a little bit more. Um, And maybe it's not to say that those things weren't happening before, but there just wasn't a lot of it in the public eye really. So, you know, but in the, in the kind of six months that we were, you know, pre- you know, jumping in with two feet, quitting a job, going all in. I, I think I just, I just came to that realization that it's just like, this is worth doing. This risk is worth it. It's yeah. like, regardless of what happens with the business, the, you know, the, the relationships that I'll build, the, the velocity of learning is just so incredibly great. Um, and that's something that, you know, you can't discount that either. Yeah. So. We talk a lot uh, about fail forwards at Connexus, like at the worst case scenario through this, you would have learned so much and it's what a cool opportunity to take your 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 history working on um, consulting and building business plans as well as your experience with economic development with tourism and all that sort of stuff and to meld that into your idea and your passion worst case scenario if that fails a little bit 
you pick yourself up and you move forward with a ton of perspective and experience yeah. and you bring that to someone else or uh, somewhere else. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So we've talked about Krugo. You guys are chugging along, um, making some, some really cool moves. Then March comes along and COVID-19 rears its ugly head um, and really affects your industry. Take me to that moment of, oh crap, this actually might rock our worlds a little bit. How did that feel? Yeah, I just, I think of like the lead up to it. It, it, it was at the start of February, it was at the, the Phoenix Waste Management Open uh, in, in, in Arizona, like the, one of the largest PGA golf tournaments, yeah. literally like 200,000 people all in yeah. one place. So so crazy to think that I was at literally one of the largest spectator events a mm -hmm. month before we were all sitting in our homes, yeah. not seeing anyone. So fast. So, you know, I went from that. I remember coming back. I remember in February, Kale, one of the guys from our team, was just like, oh, check out this video. They're building a hospital in China. They did it in like five days. And it was yeah. like, well, that's crazy. Yeah. But, you know, didn't that kept, won't affect kept, us. kept yeah. going on, kept going on. And then it was, yeah, just so fast. The, you know, okay, sports leagues are looking at shutting down. You know, that happened. Everybody's going home. But, it's, but even then it was like, okay, well, we're all going home. We'll see you in two weeks, I guess. Yeah. And then, you know, fast forward four months of kind of living in that environment and seeing kind of all what what unfolded. But I think the travel industry, um, certainly the hospitality and events and entertainment industry, but the travel industry is just so decimated. Yeah. Just kind of current projections in, in air, air travel is that um, air traffic won't return to 2019 levels until 2025. Oh, my gosh. So, we're you know, we're, we're looking at a lot of these these big well-known travel brands and they're going to face, you know, they are, and will continue to face a lot of challenges operationally. It's not, I don't think anything anyone planned, you know, at an airline to go down to 5% of their revenues, no. like businesses that operate at that scale and with that type of cost structure, it's going to be really hard for them. Um, same thing, you know, hotels, same thing, um, live events, um, concerts, sports events, those industries, you know, they're all going to be so challenged in this time. But I think what's really interesting is that, it's it's not that the demand theoretically is is, is not there. It's like yeah. there's gonna you know there, people are absolutely itching to get yes. out and people have pro, you know they've they've maybe postponed one maybe two vacations at this point in time. But we're really optimistic about what the future of travel is gonna look like. Yeah. I think one of the unfortunate things for a lot of companies, a lot of travel startups, is they might not have the ability to weather the storm and kind of get to the other side yeah. given this prolonged depression. So, you know, that, you know, I think we really tried hard to say like, you know, what can we do to position ourselves to weather the storm, to take a, an optimistic view on our long-term prospects and use this time valuably in a way that's not going to, you know, be to the detriment of any one individual in this company. And we don't want to stress anybody out. We don't want to burn anybody out. This is a bit of an opportunity for everyone to take a bit of a deep breath because yep. we've been running really hard for a couple of years. But all of a sudden, any sort of demands that we had to kind of grow our user base or to kind of grow transaction volume or build partnerships was kind of on hold because not, you know, the, the people weren't traveling. There wasn't much of a use for the product. And, yep. and a lot of the partners that we were aiming to connect with just quite frankly, weren't in a position to have those conversations at that moment. So we were able to kind of say, okay, let's take a deep breath. Let's think about the future. Mm -hmm. Let's build a plan from a financial perspective. That's going to allow us to s s sustain what we're doing yep. to kind of maintain our operations and build ourselves to be better for the future. So, so how did you pivot in the short term? So, uh, I, you know, I think there's, there's a couple things like financially, but then also kind of just like operationally and, morale wise so i mean yeah. one, one of the things was was Krugo fest definitely yeah. so it was um you know it's and people have asked it's like are you guys a you guys 
an event promoter now and it's like yeah. no we <laughs> certainly are not you know yeah. that is not a you know a lasting pivot i think we maybe have stumbled stumbled upon some kind of interesting concepts but i guess for anyone who doesn't know krugel fest uh was a was a live music event that we conceived of and created with public with the pandemic and COVID 19 in mind so uh, what the concept was was that we contracted the entire uh side of a hotel in downtown regina the double tree all the rooms on that hotel at that hotel have balconies which is a really unique feature that you don't find in a yeah, lot of places so but they're full-sized balconies and we found a, a the, the rooftop of a nearby parkade and we were actually able to crane up all the kind of stage and production infrastructure that you the type you know the type of production that you'd see at at folk festival yep. or like a you know a festival experience and we actually sold each of those rooms as live kind of box suite experiences so people yep. could buy buy a room and what that came with is they could bring themselves and three others they got a catered meal they could bring their own food and booze they mm -hmm. got the room for the night they got to take in the concert from the balcony so we had kind of 12 stories up of all these people you know stacked on top of each yeah. other distanced but kind of together yeah and we were able to stage this this concert experience so we ended up doing four shows in august yeah uh, but that was something we came up with that idea in june <laughs> and so it was 54 days from the time we came up with the idea to the time that we did the first show so that was it's <laughs> Started, That's so crazy. It started off as just kind of this wild idea. But again, I think in the back of my mind, I was like, it wasn't, you know, I think there was an opportunity to do something, you know, that was really aligned with our company values yeah. to say, you know, we are, we are all about helping people find, you know, experiences, live experiences that they love wherever they go. And yeah. it's like, there is none right now. So can we create one? So kind of philosophically, there was something there to say, this makes, this makes sense for us to do it. I think a lot of people were kind of thinking of this was going to be like Firefest because it's yeah. like, that was, you know, <laughs> that was the last tech company that tried to throw a music festival and didn't go so well. So I think people were thinking like, oh, this this can't be good. But well, I remember seeing a tweet from you yeah. and it, it seemed more of like a, you're posing the question to people. Was that, I remember the, the tweet said, we're thinking about this. Would somebody, would people be interested in this? Well, yeah, that was the catalyst to it because we had the idea and then I was like, oh, this is a great idea. And we were drinking, we were having beers on a Friday afternoon. Noticing and, a pattern. Here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is where all the best ideas come yeah. from. But we were having beers on a Friday afternoon and we were chatting about this idea and we were, we were at Path Cowork in, in Regina, which is attached to the hotel. And we were, we were, so we were literally staring up at, yeah. these, at all these balconies. And it was like, this is so perfect. Yeah. So tweeted about it and, you know, I got myself in a little bit of hot water because I, the way I phrased the tweet, I said, we are doing this. Oh, okay. We are hosting a summer concert series. It's going to be called Krugel Fest. There's, yeah. gonna be, you know, food, you can bring your own booze, you know, all this. And so I got myself and I, I tagged a lot of, you know, organizations yep. and people who would be our eventual partners in the event without having talked to them. So I had a couple calls being like, we're doing what? <laughs> you know, I certainly remember, you know, they hadn't spoke to the hotel yet as yeah. an example. And, and we had hatched this plan to use their, use their property. And it was, you know, it was an experience. And again, it was, you know, it's, we're a tech company, so it's not something that, that we're used to doing, but we found a bunch of great partners in the city mm -hmm. who have experience in that space. And so many people who are just so excited about getting back to what they do. So yeah. everyone from the artists who we ended up booking to the, the folks who do the staging and production, uh, to the you know the staff at the hotel to the caters everyone yeah. who has had a big chunk taken out of their livelihood because of the pandemic we were able to create this small little initiative you know that that gave them a bit of normalcy it got them back to work and, mm -hmm. and helped them generate some revenue at a time that you know that a lot of these businesses are kind of challenged to do so so we felt really good about that and um, not just businesses right like the Regina Food Bank was involved like charities that had a lot of a, a big need for their services with 
undercut funding. Absolutely. Yeah. The food, food bank was, you know, our partner and that's kind of, we were really excited that at the end of the event, we raised enough funds to support 45,000 meals for, for our neighbors and our community. So that was, you know, a big, a big thing that we were really proud of is to be able to, to do that. So there's all the, you know, the business impact and the local economy and, and that type of stuff. But it was also cool, just the individual people who came to the event and just for that night got to kind of forget about yeah 2020. <laughs> it was like so innovative to the point where five to 10 years down the road, when I think of COVID-19 and think of what that experience is like, I picture like tumbleweeds going through Scarf Street and just how empty and eerie it was. And then I think of what I'll think of is Krugelfest. Like I'll think of that, those two weekends where the city felt alive again. Yeah. And the stark contrast from that, that eerie emptiness to this feels normal. And just that, like that warm feeling where it's almost like, thank you for giving the city it's life back for a little right, bit. For sure. And I mean, for even for our team, it was like, you know, again, it's like, you know, we're, we're working on something, a product that we think is going to be well positioned for the future, but right now it doesn't have a lot of relevancy. And that kind of can, can eat you up a little bit yeah. when you're working on something and you're just like, this is cool. We're working on really important, really neat stuff, mm-hmm. but nobody can benefit from it right yeah. now. So Krugelfest gave us an opportunity to work on something that was like immediately relevant and yeah. immediately impactful for, for everyone who was part of it, whether they were just attending and they were coming with their, you know, it was a night out with their parents or they were able to kind of do date night or whatever it was yeah. um, to the businesses and all that. And then our, our team though, cause we got to, we got to go to those concerts yeah. and we got to kind of put it on and, you know, certainly the, the time frame to put it all together was challenging. And I kind of mentioned like it was, it was a, a a lot to kind of take on and there was you know definitely some stressful days in the kind of two weeks especially kind of leading up to the event all the stresses of having you know yeah. having signed on for all the financial liability of an event like this yeah you're, oh, wow you're paying all the vendors and you're yeah. just waiting for those tickets to sell yeah. and like nobody sees the logistical strain that that puts and yeah. like i cannot believe you put that on in how many 54 54 days 54 days, I think is the time. days yeah. including artists like typically they are booked months in advance obviously like they're pretty available available right now but like (laughs) like jess mosk loop sheepdogs like some of these big biggest acts in saskatchewan yeah were a part of your event yeah within 54 days and you were a huge ray of sunshine and hope for a lot of people like you you must be so damn proud of yourself. yeah well you know i think this is like i, I always say i <laughs> i signed our team up for this yeah and it's like i don't think they knew what they were getting into but yeah. it's like it was just an all-out effort that everybody has that attitude that's, yeah. that's despite the fact that you know someone might be a software developer they're going to go and they're going to help set up the event or someone else is yeah. going to take customer service calls from somebody who's having issues with their tickets or yeah. whatever. It was just kind of an all out, you know, team effort. And I just think a couple of days in advance of the first concert, we were we literally had this, this, this third, $3 million crane on site. There's this massive crane because yeah. we had to list, lift this semi trailer on top of the parkade structure. Cause that's what this, you know, stage all unfolds out of this, this large semi and, I just remember standing on the parquet, this thing's kind of hovering in the air. This it had never been lifted off the ground with a crane yeah. before. These things usually don't get off the ground. Yeah. So this is hovering in the air. There's 15,000 pounds oh, of no. steel and production equipment. And 
we got you know people running around yeah. in the hotel setting stuff up and i'm on the phone kind of dealing with insurance issues yeah. and we got somebody else in the in the hotel kind of dealing with tickets so it's just like it was just like this is pandemonium yeah. all the stuff that's going on right now pandemonium but in a pandemic in a pandemic <laughs> yeah so yeah. what did you learn about yourself during that 54 day period looking back now i think i you know i just i just learned that you know there's really no limits on what any person can do like i have no business you know being involved in the promotion of an yep. event like this but it was just like it seemed like a good idea we had a really good group of passionate people who you know were ready to throw their you know not their their expertise behind it but just yeah. to throw their will behind it and say that yeah we're going to help make this happen so i think it's just goes to show that you don't you don't need to know how to do everything before you sign yourself up for something and that's like sometimes where you have the best learning experiences i made so many good relationships with people who quite honestly saved our ass on so many different things yep. um so I, I was you know fortunate to meet some of those people and learn about kind of what they do and and and, and build those relationships but also kind of learn new skills myself and say, you know, really push myself quite honestly. And, you know, yeah. that 54 time, 54 day time frame, I can assure you that those weren't eight hour days. Yeah. Those were, Oh, I bet it know, was they were long days, but I, I you know, I think it, it's pretty cool to, to do something on such a short time frame Cause you just, you know, it, it, you realize, you know, the art of the possible. Yeah. And it's, it's almost like you've been training for this for the past three years for <laughs> being a part of a startup. I, I think so quite honestly, cause it's, you know, this, uncertain world is the world that we live in like yeah. we don't have a lot of certainty kind of day to day or you know month to month year to year so doing something like this wasn't much much different than yeah. what our kind of status quo is it's like okay well we know we know what the end objective looks like and we don't have a roadmap to get us there mm -hmm. but we're just gonna you know left foot in front of the right and kind of keep working towards it so that's i think that's definitely the you know the way that we operate in our business so maybe that made it a little bit easier for us to kind of take on something like this without you know, without having it fall down on top yeah, of us. Totally. Yeah. Physically like the crane. <laughs> the cra picturing the crane. <laughs> I remember it was like the so the the concert series took took um place over two weekends. So yep. it was like the second and third weekends of yep. August. So right in the middle. So we didn't obviously the stage was kind of up the whole time. So yep. it was on sitting literally sitting like like three stories in the air on top of this parkade structure. And yep. I remember I was I was uh, it was like Wednesday night I was at, at Leo's with a friend drinking beers and like classic. I had my yeah <laughs> classic me. Um <laughs> And I had my phone open and there was, there was like a tornado south of the city and no. I was watching the radar and I just had visions in my head. I was like, this tornado is going to come downtown Regina and it's going to blow this 15,000 pound <laughs> stage, which when it's, when it's up, it's, it's a wind sail because yeah. it's got all the, you know, the, it's just massive. And I was like, this thing is going to blow onto Osler street yeah. and we're going to be a wreck and we're not going to be able to do our shows on Friday and Saturday. And then fortunately the storm just kind of clipped her giant. Yeah. The winds never got that high and it was able just to go home and sleep that night. But that was just, you know, one of like, we had, it was like one of a hundred things like that, that kind of came up throughout, you know, it's like, okay, now this is an issue. And like, yeah. this is an issue right now. Just a constant cycle of worry. Hey, yeah. yeah. Oh, outside of Kirkle Fest, look back on where you've been, since you put in that that two weeks notice, what have you learned about yourself through that entire, how long is it, three years now? Yeah, yeah, it's about going on three years. What do you know now that you didn't know before? Oh man, um, I think I've learned a lot about leadership, I think, and, mm -hmm. and you know, how I'm a good leader and what I do that maybe, you know, detracts from my abilities as a leader. Yep. I think I've always kind of been the type of person who was 
uh, you've tried to be a high achiever in what I'm doing and Mm -hmm. I'm going to control what I'm in charge of and I'm going to do it really well. And I'm going to, you know, I'm going to meet people's expectations. But I think I've learned that, you know, to be in charge of a company, to be a leader in a company, you can't do it all. You can't bulldoze through everything and take on every project and be in charge of everything. There's, you have to kind of create an environment where you're surrounded by really good people who can kind of own and lead things of their own. And then that's, you know, that's a really cool skill I think to learn is to say, I want to become better at helping somebody else become a high achiever and help them, you know, succeed in the way that I used to think of myself kind of succeeding. Yeah. And that's a, I think that's been a big mind shift for me and a new skill that I've really been trying to cultivate for the last couple of years is to say, I got to take me out of this a little bit and I got to figure out how I can be a better leader and a better colleague and a better coach and a better friend or whatever that is. And just kind of help other people. Yeah. That's, that's crazy. Your, your journey so far in just a three year term is, is quite extensive and I'm I'm sure you've learned lots. Oh man. So speaking of learning lots, I want to learn a little bit more about you outside of Krugo and Krugo Fest and just some quick speed round questions to connect with you on, on some things outside of that. Yes. So do it. Speed round questions, not going to give you a lot of time to think about them. Let's start with what was the last TV show you binged and loved? A blacklist. Oh yeah. Yeah. That kind used of an to older be, one. Yeah, yeah, that was on like CBS like yeah. years ago. Just James Spader. He's like, yeah. uh, like he's just so uh, he gets me. Like yeah. Boston Boston Legal was yeah. a great show he was on too. Yeah. Um I know that's a weird one. I just I found it on Netflix. It that's a good one. It, yeah. yeah. No, typically you would have like Tiger King or something. <laughs> oh, like I watched that. that. Yeah. I watched that too. We all did. Yeah. What was one of the earliest movies you remember seeing in a theater? Home Alone. Home Alone uh Home Alone 2. Home Alone 2, that's Lost in New York, right? That's right, right. yeah. yeah. That's a good one. Great film. Credit card, you got it. Uh, (laughs) What does Moose Jaw do better than any other place in Saskatchewan outside of constructing gigantic replicas of moose? (laughs) Like like chicken strips at Deja Vu Cafe, (laughs) probably. That's exactly what I was thinking of. (laughs) Oh, that's amazing. What's your Desert Island album? So you're on a desert island. You're allowed one album. This is such a lame answer, but it's like big shiny '90s, the <laughs> compilation album of the best tunes of the '90s. That's a the good best alternative. Yeah. yeah, gives me a little bit of variety. It does give you a little bit. That they're to have like Alexis on fire, yeah. like Billy Talent, Our Lady Peace, yeah, things yeah. like that. Yeah, mine would be Jagged Little Pill by Alanis Morissette. Wow, man, that is a big for the rest of, of your album. life. And for the rest of my life, just me and Alanis. On Oahu. Some coconuts. <laughs> yeah. um, what's something a lot of people get wrong about you? I think people, lots of times when people first meet me or encounter me, they think I'm shy. Yeah. Um, because I'm not overly social, I guess, with people that I've never met before. Yeah. Which I think is, for anyone who knows me better, is quite yeah. the opposite. Totally. But I think, yeah, in, in, in uh, social settings when I don't know someone or yeah. when they've just first met me, they might they might actually think I'm shy. Totally. All they need to do is just go to a, a local Saskatchewan business and, yeah. and let's see. <laughs> we'll see you up at the bar yeah. and I'll hold down the conversation yeah. for an hour or two. Yeah. Fill in the blank. Saskatchewan is blank. Flat. Flat. <laughs> <laughs> True. Yeah. Um, last question. What connects us? I think sh- shared experiences is what I'd say. I think we're all, you know, that's what creates the bonds that can kind of connect so many different people and can connect strangers actually is the shared experiences that, that we have. So whether that's 
you know, simple in my mind, like a, like going to a baseball game and meeting the person that you're sitting next to or meeting somebody who's gone through a a similar life experience and you're able to kind of connect and share in the fact that you've gone down a path and and you can kind of empathize with somebody who's done something or experienced something similar to you. Yeah. That's a great answer. Thank you. Damn. (laughs) Well, that's it, Kirk. Do you have anything else to say? No, thanks for having me. This has been, this has been great. This was, this was awesome. And it's funny to see how, your life and your history kind of connects throughout and what you've taken the lessons you've learned throughout your life and put it towards things that truly help people and, and help amplify their lives. Yeah. Thanks for being a part of the, the what connects this podcast. Thanks Mason. Well, that's it for the what connects this podcast. We'll be back in two weeks with a podcast on every second Wednesday. If you like the podcast, please do us a favor and hit the subscribe or follow button. We'll see you in two weeks till then Kirk and I are going to go frequent a local Saskatchewan business. Off to Leo's. <laughs>